Good morning, Awakening Church. So excited to be with you all this morning. For those of you who didn't make it to the retreat, uh, we were bummed and missed you all. And for those of you who made it back, excited to party on a little bit longer with all of you too. Um, before we get any further, I also just want to start my time with, with us this morning in prayer. So if you would, bow your heads with me. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you for being so good. Uh, we come expectantly wanting to hear from you this morning. Uh, the protégés and I and Steve, and we, we don't lead this time, God. Your spirit is leading this time, and we want to hear from you. So I pray that uh, we get to meet with you this morning intimately and, and hear from your word. So I just want to echo what, what Michelle said. Would you soften our hearts um, in this time and bless this time? And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. amen. Uh, this is probably my first opportunity to get to introduce myself. So hello, I'm, I'm Roland. You might be wondering, who am I? Well, when I'm not stuck in cupboards, I'm part of the leadership development program here at Awakening that we call Protege. I'm a San Jose State graduate. I, I serve in our kids' ministry. I love coffee. I'm Filipino, and, and the list could go on. Uh, be, but these are just a few things I like to describe myself as I thought about how I wanted to spend our time this morning together, I started to come to this realization that that question had burdened me for much of my life. And it's that question, who am I? Where do I find my worth? What makes me a somebody? And I think I see this a lot in children. Well, like I said, I, I serve in our And uh, most Sundays you'll find me with our explorers, what we affectionately call our preschool age kids. And a typical Sunday, we'll be eating goldfish, playing games, talking about Jesus. I work with this ministry that reaches out to college students called Crew, so it's not that much different from my Monday to Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> but anyways, uh, more often than not, somehow each Sunday, magically, a basketball will find its way into the gym. And I, I welcome it. I'll admit I let it happen. It finds its way. It's probably one of my favorite times of the week, getting to hang out with the kids, shoot some hoops. It brings me back to when I was a child, just wanting to run around in the gym and shoot some baskets. But if you stick around long enough and see these four and five-year-olds trying to play with this basketball that's half their size, it'll look something like this, right? And then they're gonna, they want to shoot the ball. They really can't dribble or do anything, so they'll just walk around with it maybe kind of like, whatever, you know, <laughs> equilibrium's hard at four and five. So as they go up to shoot the ball and tee it up, they make this face, right? And they'll, you'll hear them say, watch this, watch this, either to you or to one of their friends. And they won't move and they won't move a muscle until they know there are eyes on them, watching them before they can do anything. So as they get ready to shoot and they know that there's someone watching them and they go for it, I come out of nowhere and swat the ball out of the air, <laughs> right? No, I'm just kidding. I don't do that. Not often, but sometimes I need to prove that I'm the teacher in the classroom. Um, some of the moms in here are probably mortified hearing that and some of the dads are probably thinking, that's a, that's a new tool in my belt. <laughs> Uh, if I can be completely honest, though, I think that's how I've approached my identity for much of my life. It's, it's this saying, watch this, watch this. 
albeit with, with less innocence than a kid just wanting someone to see them shoot a basketball, which is pretty impressive. Ball's bigger than their head, hoops four times their size. Makes sense. But there's this thing inside me that's saying, watch this, watch this. And isn't it interesting that it's just put in our DNA from a young age, do you value me? What's my worth? Are you watching? And isn't it amazing that the same things that plagued us at five years old plagues us still at 25. You see, we craft these people that we think others would admire and love. For me, in high school, it was about being smart, so getting good grades, being popular and doing what my teammates were doing. And then in college, I became a believer, and I got to hear about Jesus. And my identity crisis just hit itself in a little more sly manner. It was about being a good crew student or being a great Bible study leader. And these things are good things, don't get me wrong. But I think the motivation behind this is what can make it difficult. When it's about wanting to be a somebody, wanting to be important for someone because I could do these things, because I was these things. And that's what I want to talk about this morning is how do we find our identity in Christ? So what are we defined by? Our job, our education, what others think about us, the good things we've done, the bad. In the Silicon Valley, maybe it sounds like my position in the company, my salary, the car I drive. And I think I've seen us fall into two traps. And if you're anything like me, you identify with one, or if you're like me, both. So there's two, I, I see us in two ways. There's the performance trap where we have to do something to find self-worth or be something. And there's the image trap where we have to find our significance in what others say about us. And we're constantly worried about that. And the danger of this is we give so much control to other people. It gives us anxiety about what others think, about having to do more, to perform better, to be something for someone. And we become chained like slaves. So we have to go back to these things, always going back to hope that we'll find meaning and worth from it. You see, where we find our identity is ultimately how we'll live out the rest of our lives. If it's about doing more, we'll have to, if it's about doing, then we'll have to do more. If it's about what people think about us, then we'll try to be people that others love and like. But do you ever wonder what God thinks about you? I, I love the Bible because God speaks extensively about what he thinks about us and um, his love for us. And Paul, if you've got your Bibles, um, says this in Romans 8, 14, and he talks about identity this way. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. I love this because the identity that God offers us is, is made plain and simple. For those who have put their faith in Jesus and are led by the Holy Spirit are children of God. We are daughters, we are sons of the King Most High. And I think when we fall in these traps of having to perform or having to perfect our image or manage our identity, it's because we simply don't know what it means to be a child of God. When you're a child of God, he basks love on you. He loves you. And I think a lot of us struggle with that. And I think some of us just need to hear that this morning. You're beloved. God loves you. There's no estimation in your worth. You don't have to be constantly worrying, does God love me? What do I have to do to make God love me? You're his child, so he loves you. 
and he basks love on you. And when we forget our relation to God, I think we turn to other things. In, our, in my generation, I think we've seen it play out on social media. Uh, I have to post this really cool picture of this cappuccino because then how are people going to know I'm doing really cool things like sitting at this really cool coffee shop? And then how am I going to get likes to know that people know that I'm cool? You know, things like that. It's silly. But something so innocent, and don't get me wrong, I love Instagram, I love Twitter, I love Facebook, I love all that, just as much as the next person. But aren't we so susceptible to find our worth in such an innocent thing, to turn this thing that's a good thing into an ultimate thing, the thing that we are a slave to, to find our self-worth? You see, if what makes us who we are, um, from what we do, then one of two things will happen. First, we'll perform well and we'll become arrogant. Or second, we'll perform poorly and be disappointed. I'm, I'm a big sports guy. Many of you here who know me probably agree with me. I, I'm the guy, side note, who got 14 stitches in his hands, diving after a Frisbee into some cinder block. 14 stitches for a piece of plastic I didn't even catch. <laughs> That's how much I love sports. But I think I've seen this identity crisis also play itself out in the sports world. Ronda Rousey is this, is this UFC fighter, Ultimate Fighting Championship. And you can decide for yourself if you think cage fighting is holy and biblical. But the point is this. In, in the recent year, she's risen to the top of her game. She is the number one pro- in her profession. This is where she found her worth and, and everything about her. This is how people knew her. But she was a winner. Until one evening... She lost. Thank you. Spoiler alert. (laughs) She lost. And this identity that she gave for herself just crumbled before her. And then in a recent interview, this is what she had to say about that, that evening. Honestly, my thought in the medical room, I was sitting in the corner like, what am I anymore if not this? Literally sitting and thinking about killing myself. In that exact second, I'm nothing. Major disappointment, right? When things were going well, it was great. But then when things got difficult, disappointment. I think what what this reminds us is what seems telling on the outside, money, success, fame, isn't really congruent with what's going on on the inside. She was chained to her identity of having to be something or she was worth nothing. She had to to win and win and win. Otherwise, she was worth nothing. And those are the chains that I think a lot of us carry today. You see, a good father has this affection for their child, not because they've done anything extraordinary, but because it's theirs. I'm sure new parents in the room would probably agree with me. You don't look at that newborn baby and say, I love you because you only let me sleep three hours a night now. (laughs) Or I... I love you because you somehow spoiled my new favorite shirt again with some bodily function I didn't even know about until now. (laughs) That's all what good parents do, right? They love that child because it's theirs. And God gives us the opportunity to belong to him instead of our own standards or the standards of this world or to other people say. He wants us to belong to him. Last year was my senior year in college 
and we had this grand idea of wanting to hear or to have a lot of people hear about Jesus. So we cooked up this idea where we would rally behind one student and just get behind them. And it would be a campaign-like thing where we would lead up to one event where we got to say it was why it was worth following Jesus. You know which student they picked? We picked me. <laughs> this is crazy. And it was awesome. We, the two weeks leading to the event, you, you couldn't get away from it. The, the hashtag was, I agree with Roland. And it was on, cha, it was on whiteboards. That's what we use now. It was on whiteboards. <laughs> it was on whiteboards. It was, there's posters everywhere. People wore a shirt with my name on it that said, I agree with Roland. Buzz was building. The whole campus knew about it. It was crazy. I couldn't believe it. I was on this sky, I was on cloud nine. We were doing such a cool thing. People were telling me, you guys are doing such a great thing for this campus. You guys are being so bold and so brave, getting to tell other people about Jesus. And I ate that all up because it was true. It was awesome. And you know how college students get, right? Right out of high school. In high school, everyone thinks they know everything. But then in college, it's like, okay, I don't know everything, but I'm getting close, right? And all of a sudden, this hashtag, I agree with Roland, is either on your, on your whiteboard or wherever. And then, like any good college student, I probably would have been the same way. Is, Whoa, what is that? There's alarms going on. Okay, I don't know what that is. I need to know about that so I, I can be closer to knowing everything. Who, who's this Roland? Why do people agree with him? And why is there no D at the end of his name? <laughs> right? All the important questions were being asked. Uh, so yeah, Buzz was building. It was amazing. Um, students were getting up at like six in the morning to make this thing go. And it was amazing. And I got to be literally the face of it. And it was awesome. <coughs> and as things started to roll, and more and more people got to hear about it, like everything in our day and age, it made its way onto the internet. And on one messaging board read something like this. It has nothing to do with Crew SJSU. I've known Roland since 2005, and he's devastatingly average. Not everyone is a beautiful, unique, and special snowflake. <laughs> Tell me how you really feel. <laughs> right? That, and if I could be completely honest, looking back at that moment, if I, if I could go back in time, I was devastated. I was at this really high place, and in a matter of seconds, I sunk so low. And that was difficult. That was hard for me. The next few days, I couldn't help but think, how do I be more than average? And I know it sounds weird, but how do I be a special snowflake? <laughs> special snowflake. <laughs> yeah, that was hard. And you know what I realized about that moment looking back? As I thought about it, about going from here to here. And I looked at what he said. He said, it has nothing to do with Kruishi. So I realized he was wrong. He, he was wrong with the first sentence, so he doesn't know anything about me. This guy's ridiculous. No, that's not what I thought. Okay, this is what I realized. I realized that, like I said, we're so susceptible to turn these really good things into our identity things. They're the things that define us. And where I found my identity in that moment is in what people thought about me. I feared what people thought about me. 
Uh, if, you're, if you're in your Bibles, we're going to read a little further. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Let, let's pause. What, what is it you fear? You see, a lot of us fear what we lack. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. For me, I feared what people thought about me. But there's good news. We read further. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. See, that, that's our identity. Steve Saccone, a couple months back, talked about adoption. And for our purposes this morning, we're, we're just going to skim the surface. I, I totally encourage you guys to go back and listen to that. It's great. But at the core essence of being adopted, do you know what that means? It means you are chosen. God chose you. He wanted you to be his daughter. He wanted you to be his son. See, he looked at you and he looked at me and he said, I want that person in my family. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to bring that person to my family. I'm willing to let my son suffer on a cross so I could call you son or daughter. And isn't that amazing? You're chosen. And if you look at it again, you see your position changed from being a slave to being a son. Not a spirit of slavery, spirit of adoption. See, God, God didn't want you to be a slave to these things where you have to keep going back and performing more, managing your identity so you can be enslaved to that. He wanted you to know that you were loved, that you could just rest in his love. And if, if all that's true, and we still think it's about us, do you know what that means? That we're elevating ourselves. We're trying to eclipse what Jesus has done. And church, let's get this straight. None of us can eclipse what Jesus has done on the cross, that beautiful, great work. None of us can eclipse that. We're sons and daughters. <clears throat> so how, how do we lean into this? I think there's two things. The first is we have to proactively remind ourselves what, it, what God says about us. You see, if we, if we go to this instead of this for what we're worth, I guarantee you, you'll walk away not satisfied, wanting more, wanting more. And this is hard for me. I think we have to constantly remind ourselves, beloved, chosen. We need to remind ourselves, otherwise we're just going to look to other things or what else we're hearing from other people or what the world is saying what the Silicon Valley is advertising, where we find our worth, or we can go to God's word. And the second is this. We have to be part of a close-knit community of sons and daughters. You see, it, referencing back, we, we cry, Abba, Father, right? We cry. Our heavenly father adopted us into a heavenly family. They're going to get hard, but you have brothers and sisters who are led by the Holy Spirit to help you, to be in your corner. We need people in our corner who are filled with the Spirit to give us life and support. That was God's intention. We need to be part of a close-knit community. 
think that was especially true from my senior year when that happened. I had my boys. They helped me out. We reminded each other what it meant to be a child of God. And that these things aren't true. It's just not. So we need people to give help give us life and support by the power of the Spirit. Um, so as we come to a close, I just wanted to paint this picture real quick for all of us. What if awakening was a community that lived out of this identity? What if we were a family that felt safe and secure in our position with God, sons and daughters? Imagine how much differently we would move in our communities if we, if we knew that. In our workplaces, our dorms, our campuses, our neighborhoods. Imagine how people would know that we are Jesus's because of the way we loved and loved back because we knew we were loved first. And imagine, imagine how your relationship with God would change and your appreciation and adoration would change because you knew God chose you. God loves you. God is your heavenly father. We don't have to shoot a basketball into a hoop to, to find that self-worth. Would you pray with me? We are thankful for, for your truth, God, that you've chosen us, that you are our perfect and heavenly father. And finding our identity in all other things, it's just not enough, God. We are eternal beings and we need eternal identities. And you have offered that to us because of your son. So we thank you for that. Um, God, would you, would you bring people into our corner to help us live out of that identity? Would you constantly remind us through your word what you say about us? And God, may we be a community that lives out of that. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen.